in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. I dream of Andy. <laughs> oh, God, you'd be the worst genie ever. Yeah. No arguments from me. <laughs> Nothing to say there. I mean, I think I You'd would look be... great in that see-through outfit, though. Oh I would look great God. in it. That's true. I got the oh curves in all God. the right and wrong places. Yeah. But I think that what a muffin top. I would be more of like a monkey's paw genie. Oh, 110%. Where I would grant you your wish, but it would come with consequences. <laughs> what is I'm gonna fuck it up, but what is it? Oh, that's bad. But it comes with fro free the, froyo. The frogart is cursed. That's bad. Oh wait, the Frogert's not cursed. Oh, you goes. fucked it up too. Like, I forget the whole like. Oh, uh, it's a tough one. It's, a, it's a whole now? exchange. Yeah, can I go now? <laughs> um, Andy, you know what? I I um I think yeah. a monkey's paw. I think a genie. Yeah. You know, it's true. You know, you sometimes yeah. you wish for something, and then and then it's something in the future that can come true. But today's wouldn't topic, it be great? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if there was a way? To know what was going to happen in the future. Right. And maybe a way to find that out from a book that you yeah. already have in your home. Or you can find in basically any hotel. Yeah. Or I think still, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Who knows? I mean, you can find a lot of things in hotels. Oh, yeah. Bone funkers. Good life tip. Life pro tip. Mark it down. Check into a hotel. Look around. See what you can find. See what you can find. Um. You can do that with today's topic, Andy, the Bible Code. The Bible Code. Now, you probably hear the name the Bible Code. You probably And you think it. that what Art and I are going to do today is unlock the secrets to living for Christ. And <laughs> we are, but we aren't. That's right. We're going to talk about the what we can learn from the text of the Bible outside of just the actual text itself. Uh that's it's pretty I mean, hard a to better way to say it, Andy, would be there's a hidden code, hidden messages in the Bible, in the text of the Bible, in the words of the Bible, hidden messages pertaining to uh, all the uh, significant events throughout history and possibly predicting the future, telling with, prophecies of apocalypses to come. Or with all due respect, I okay. do think it was a little more clear to right. say that we could learn things from the text of the Bible 
outside of the actual text of the Bible using the text, but not in the way it's traditionally used. That's right. It's I think be, that makes it more clear what's you're happening. You're right, 100%, Andy. And, and, and uh, you know, to be clear, um, we have to think. We have a bunk bunker to think. We have a bunk bunker to think for this topic. This topic was a suggestion from amongst the ranks of our beloved bunk bunkers, mm-hmm. our proud patrons. This comes to us from Robbie Malik. Robbie Malik. Multiple episode That's topic right. suggester. That's right. Thank you, As Robbie. far as I understand, looking at the historical records. Um We've looked at the codes. We've looked at the bunker code, and that's true, hundred percent, hundred percent true. So thank you, we to Robbie. We predicted that. Uh, we predicted that. Thank you, Robbie, again for this topic. It's a fun one. It's a good topic. Um, it's very silly. There's a lot of math. There's some math involved, and so it's we, something you can do at home. So you know, since this is a topic that has lots of math in it, you know, Art <laughs> and I are going to absolutely deliver a perfect right. description, fully academically researched we're going to be able to cover all of the knowledge nuances of this topic when all is said and done you'll feel like you attended a math lecture with albert einstein and his clone his female clone galbert einstein (laughs) uh 100 andy and 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 for you bunkfuckers who can't wait to predict the future with the bible and to learn how to do it yourself at home ah, my brain art i'm getting a message what's that I predicted that there's a timestamp in the show notes. That oh will tell my you. God, Andy, you've peered into the bunker code. You're correct. 100%. There's a timestamp. I predicted that it will be. I predict that the timestamp will be 35 minutes and 24 seconds. Could be. I don't know. <laughs> it's not. It's entirely possible. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, it could or could not be. I think you found the in the bunker code that timestamp. And then the phrase could or could not be, right? You're protected either way. Yeah. So, you see, <laughs> you see, the bunker code is playing both sides. That's right. And maybe the Bible code is too. We'll talk about it. But of course, uh, as always, uh, like co-host Andy said, there is a uh, timestamp in the episode description. And um, you can check it out. Check it out in the show notes. Skip right ahead to the research again. Because first, Andy and I got to tell you how we got abducted and taken to the bunker this week. That's Ooh. right. I try to be efficient and get it all out in one breath because... We've been working out. We have been working out. We both have really expanded our lung capacity. So oh, yeah. If you hear me shouting a lot during today's episode, <laughs> it's because I have powerful lungs and I want to show them off. I was yeah. feeling charitable this week. I was feeling- It's once in a blue moon. Generous. Eh, maybe not even charitable. Generous. I was feeling so much affection for my co-host, Art. Wow. I decided I got to get Art a gift. Yeah. Look, we've known each other for- over a decade, we've been friends. Yeah. And we've gone through this ordeal of being abducted. Right. Together. Right. And it's brought us it's brought us closer together. Sure. And I said, I, I want to buy my friend Art a gift. Wow. And I knew that I had no one, idea this was going on. The one thing that he would want more than anything in this world uh-huh. is a one of those fembots from Austin Powers. <laughs> Ah, if only Cindy Margolis. Was it Cindy Margolis? Yeah. Oh, my God. Cindy Margolis is a fembot. Yes, of course. Boob guns. Unfortunately, I don't have the technical capabilities to build one of the fembots. You did try once, and it was uh, it was actually fucking horrific. You, yeah, yeah, I you... did. I did once, and there were several deaths associated with the fembot, and I'm no longer allowed in New Zealand, long story short. The... <laughs> 
the point is if there's two things that art wants in this world uh-huh. number one is the fembot from austin powers that's true international man of mystery the 1997 mike mike myers film in case you forgot that number might be accurate it might not uh Predicted in the bunker coach. Sure. Uh, the the number two thing is a Peloton bike. It's oh my god, Andy, you you hit the nail on the head. I've always wanted a Peloton bike. Art's Art's always talking about how he loves cycling, but he hates going outdoors, and how he loves watching people yell at him through a TV screen. That's right. And I, Peloton combines all of those things into one. It combines all of those things into one. The Art's Peloton a bit of a fit system. nut. Super health fit buff. nut. Super he's, health buff. He's a health buff. He's a fit nut. He loves waxing his body. He loves bulking and cutting. And, uh, you know, he treats himself like a lump of clay yeah. to be shaped by hard work. Right. And I knew a Peloton was for him. So I went out and I bought, I bought Art a Peloton. And you bought yourself one as well. I bought myself one as well because you got a I two for one be, deal. I wanted to be us. I wanted us to be bike buddies. We're bike buddies. Yeah, we're bike buddies. Um, we, we can both... like you know we can we can combine. It's it's all in the Peloton system. You, right. you find an instructor that you like. Mm-hmm. There's tons of different instructors. You know when you're getting into biking, right. like when you get into anything, it's sometimes good to do it with a friend. Like we've both been interested in biking. We're a little bit bike curious. We decided to go out <laughs> and get into being bike. People together. I mean, I love big, giant melon heads and skin tight suits. I mean, so I'm, you know, biking just seemed like a natural hobby. Right. We both like that. We both like mm-hmm. large, like additions to our craniums. Right. And aer- we like aerodynamics. Right. And we like skin tight suits. Right. And I know that I'm indoors, but I did buy one of those <laughs> cycling singlet type deals. Oh, yeah. You got to have one. I bought one of those giant swooped helmets like right. they wear for, you know, speed skating. Sure. Because I want to be aerodynamic you even on the be. bike. And, you know, we've, we finally, we we hooked them up. We got together. We both absolutely fell in love yeah. with the Peloton experience because there are, it's such a good workout. There are so many hunky, attractive, buff yeah. instructors. Right. You want to go with the buffest, hunkiest, most Chad attractive instructor. You want to. You want something that motivates you yeah. and an attractive man telling me that I did a good job or just shouting at me to do better is a real motivating factor. That's right. Me. That's right. So we, we've we been doing this Peloton. We've been getting yelled at by hunks for several days. And we uh, eventually we decided to settle on one instructor in particular. This oh, is a yeah. very buff instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he 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 runs a uh, sculpt your buns cur course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's really fun, and it's like it the, focuses on the glutes. Focuses on the glutes. A lot of and, uphill. You know, the glutes, biggest muscle in your body. It's important to work at bunk bunkers. Really? Sure. And not the quad. I, n- b- glute. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Let's not talk about anatomy. <laughs> That's not the point here. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm an expert, but let's okay. not talk about it. The uh, well, it's definitely the coolest muscle. We'll say that it's the coolest muscle. And the funniest. Too. It's the funniest. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, it's your ass muscle. It's an ass muscle. It's a. Glute. It's called gluteus maximus. It sounds like a Roman emperor, right? It makes farts. It makes farts. <laughs> it's a lot of people don't know that that farts are muscular, <laughs> muscular discharge. Well, the noise of a fart is from your butt cheeks slabbing together. Am I right or am I right? I'm definitely 100% right. You're 100% right. Although, you know, there's a, there's a good portion of fat in there, too. 
Not on mine. Oh, not, after wow. this, not after this sculpt your Bunsker course. That's right. Yeah, this is all muscle, baby. You you kind of go around this course with this big buff dude, um, and he like makes you go all these up all these hills, and there's like all these like uh, they look like you know, I don't know, like there's like shelters or something built into them, like little uh, things. I don't know what they're called. Sure, it looks like the Shire. Yeah, like the Shire, maybe there's little things built in there, and you you kind of run around that kind of course. And it's and forested. it's a very it's a very real world type of course. Where oh, there, it looks so real. There are stalled vehicles on the road. There are you have to dodge. You know, there are uh-huh. school buses. You have to ob- abide by traffic laws. Or he right. shouts at you. A lot of WalMarts. A lot of WalMarts. Yeah. Um. It's very. It's quiet. so real. I mean, the screen on the Peloton bikes that you got so real. Um. <laughs> yeah, and I got to tell you. Hell of a deal on these two. A lot of people think. I mean, I hope Peloton's not listening. Peloton, if you're listening, earmuffs. Yeah, plug earmuffs, your ears. Please. Because you know you're supposed to buy them through Peloton, but they're so goddamn expensive. So fuck. They're like fucking five million dollars. Five million dollars. Well, look, I'm not a millionaire. Art, I like you. I love you. I want some sure. more of you. But I don't have that kind of money. On I don't my blame person. you. So I went through this website called Bunk Tech, where I wow. found I found a lot of equipment, specifically. <laughs> In bundles of two. Oh, wow, really? Right. So there was a lot two of- packs. There were a lot of like clothing options, you know, where it's like, oh, wow. buy one of this, get another one free. Uh-huh. It's like, buy this car that sort of looks like a human being, <laughs> get another one for free. It's a lot of stuff like <laughs> that. <laughs> and I got this deal on a Peloton, on this pe- these two Pelotons. It was buy one, get one, BOGO. BOGO it was a Pel- BOGO. BOGO Pelotons for under $1000. Wow. $969.69. Nice. Yeah, that's a nice price. <laughs> it is a nice price. That's incredible, Andy. I'm glad that you're there's there's I hey, I got no disrespect for a gift that also saves money. I mean, that is just a win-win. You the That's a win-win. Yeah, the important thing about Who's a gift. Who's losing there? No one. The important thing about a gift is that you get something thoughtful for right. a person. Or, and you get something cool and that they'll actually use, and that is fucking badass and cooler than all the other presents. That's why I feel like price targets in gift exchanges is sort of an antiquated notion. I understand the ease of a price point, so somebody doesn't buy something really expensive should never feel bad about getting a good deal on something. You never should, baby. Deals, life's, life's a deal, baby. Yeah. Life is a deal way, and I'm going to fuck it all night long. So, yeah. life's, um, a, life's a deal. Buy it. Life's a deal. Buy it. So, um, I got these great deals on these Pelotons. Thing is, yeah, everything was awesome. Problems. We yeah. were loving it. All week long, we were using these. Our buns were getting, our fucking buns and ties we're getting so sculpted. I mean, we looked. We're starting to get phone calls from KFC because they're like, we want you in our ads because you have such oh, really? shapely thighs and buns. The colonel called me up. He said, I want to fry up your fucking buns and thighs, baby. Oh, I'm going to sell that shit. Oh, oh, the colonel tried to eat you. I think he wanted to fry me up. My buns and thighs were looking so good. Wow. He said, I want to coach you in my 12 original herbs and spices, baby. Oh, wow. And I said, Colonel Jesus, buy a guy a drink first. <laughs> He was going to wine you, dine you, 12 original herbs and spices, (laughs) batter you. (laughs) Wine me, dine me, 12 original herbs and spice me, baby. God damn. I'm going to start field field calls from fucking Popeyes. Who knows? Jollibee. What a place to sell chicken. I guess we know why that that suit was all white. That's come. (laughs) I might have come. Well, he might have come. Yeah, he did for sure. Um, But everything was looking up. Everything was looking... 
you know, our, we'd really turned a corner. Pella terrific. <laughs> yeah. And, but then today, uh, we went on the course, we biked, and we were biking so hard, and I was so in the zone, and you were too. I mean, we were yeah. both like, I mean, you know, I was sweating, but you actually were like, not only were you biking, but you were also biking through your own sweat which was like an extra layer of working out. <laughs> yeah. You were like swim cycling. <laughs> yeah, I really should get some sort of a windshield wiper or something. Yeah, you my needed face. one. <laughs> but we ended up somehow biking ourselves to the bunker. The It turns out that the bikes left their moorings. They came free from the stationary assembly and we were so in the zone we just ended up biking here to the bunker. And you know what? It turns out that that hunky, awesome, sculpt your buns, cur instructor is fucking Mr. Bunker. Mr. Bunker. The titular bunker. The titular Mr. Bunker. Yeah. I feel like such an idiot. I, I My wife feel sent like... me a text and she's so mad that there's, there's a hole now in our wall the shape of me riding a bicycle. <laughs> it's just like that it's just like that Matt Foley sketch <laughs> from SNL wow one of those really bad ones that they did after the later ones they came after they the kept milking it yeah, yeah 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 where he goes to the gym and rides a he's he's leading a cycling class and he drives through the wall Well, you are always talking about sending your wife to a van down by the river. <laughs> yeah. She wants a little <laughs> yeah. vacation. And that's as good as I'm going to do. Yeah, because you spent all that money on my Peloton. <laughs> I don't have any more money after that Peloton. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what? Mr. Bunker is a real bastard for abducting us and forcing us to podcast again. Yeah. But goddamn, my buns and thighs have never looked better. Mine are on fire. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, oh God. Oh. Oh. Woo. Oh, thank you for spraying me with your hose. <laughs> yeah, I keep a camel, guess... camel pack of water because I get so thirsty when I'm doing my Peloton biking that uh, I just spray you with my hose. I guess I forgot I was sitting on a scented candle. <laughs> you got to stop leaving your fucking Yankee candles all over the bunker, Andy. This suit's all lycra. What am I going to do? God damn it. Well, bug fuckers, here we are again in the bunker. Um... So I guess we're gonna podcast for you, uh, but first, Andy, we got a bunker alarm. Buns, buns first. Buns first. We have a bunker alarm. And this is a fun one. This is a great one because this show, which we've only recently become involved with, has a new patron. So apparently, we're doing a great job already, right Whoa. out of the gate. Uh, we want to extend our best. Thank yous that we can muster to the newest Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast patron, Amanda Hug and Kiss. Amanda Hug and Kiss. Hello? Is there a... Ah, oh, fuck. I fucked it up. I'm looking for Amanda Hug and Kiss? Yeah. Can't somebody help me find Amanda Hug and Kiss? <laughs> I just need Amanda Hug and Kiss. That Bart, that Bart, that little fucking scamp. That scamp. But... Amanda Hug and Kiss is the newest patron of That's this right. show. And as apparently is tradition, yes. I am going to once again attempt to utilize this bunk tech. Wait a minute. 
Bunk Tech? Oh, oh, what the fuck? We should have caught that. Wow. Well, I won't make that same mistake again, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, me either. Definitely. Anyway. 100%. Bunk Tech, Bunker Alarm 3000. To give a hearty thank you hearty. to Amanda Hug and Kiss. That's right. For being our newest patron. Mm-hmm. All right. So. All right. Let's um, warm that fucking gotta, up. Got to warm it up here. Got to turn the machine on. Um. Oh, it's probably this chain. Yeah, pull that chain. Okay, so that's not just a switch chain. It's like clearly opening some kind of valve as you're pulling that chain down. Yeah, there's a lot of steam coming out of here. There's a lot of oil burning. You can smell it. Uh-huh. You feel the bunker is frilling with fumes. Um. All right, so I guess I'll just flip this switch there's a lot of a lot of electricity what, what is that melted cheese oh that was electricity <laughs> that was electricity oh okay that was it would have melted cheese that's for oh, sure all right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot. yeah. Uh, uh, well okay um i guess i'll just uh press these buttons whoop boing <laughs> Wow, sound scheme did they design this with? Squishy has buttons, man. Gunking behind these. Uh, You want a tactile button. You never want to push a jelly button. Kind of feels like somebody dropped like a rolled cake underneath these buttons. A rolled cake. You know, like where you make a flat layer of cake and then you roll it like a Swiss roll. Like a jelly roll or a Swiss roll. Okay. See? A rolled cake under there. Uh huh. That's definitely the analogy the sound, I would use. That's the sound. If you put a button inside of a, a Swiss roll, that's what it would sound like. Yeah, for sure. Definitely not like when there's like uh, only a little bit of mustard left in the mustard thing or ketchup. Definitely more like a jelly roll. <laughs> yeah, keep pressing it. <laughs> ah, well, there we go. <laughs> this one looks good. <laughs> so, Amanda Hug and Kiss. This bunker alarm is for you. In three, in two, in one. That is what that is one but that is one interesting machine. God damn it, Andy quit pressing that button. <laughs> we don't know what it does. <laughs> I think you know how to use this, but you also don't know how to use this. Right. Well, I'm still figuring <laughs> things out. I guess I'll just turn it off. Okay. <laughs> okay, now that was a power down sound. I could tell that. But hey, I hope that that bunker alarm powered up Amanda Hug and Kiss and and, oh. and thanks the Oh, now is that melted cheese or what is that? Why would there be melted cheese in the machine? I have no idea. Either way, thank you to Amanda Hug and Kiss. Um, Appreciate the patron support. Um, Thank you for being a a patron. Thank you for supporting the show. Appreciate it. Um, It makes us help recoup some of the losses that we got from these shitty fucking Peloton Peloton bikes. bikes. Yeah. No offense. Uh, but, um, you know, if you would like to become a patron, just like Amanda hug and kiss, 
and, uh, you know, find out all the different little uh, tier treats. There's like over 40 hours of fucking content behind that fucking Patreon paywall. It's craziness, Andy. We're doing so much work. <laughs> well, that's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth the work. <laughs> There's a newsletter every month. It definitely goes out on time. There's two episodes. It definitely a goes month. out within the month that's on the title. Yeah. That is true. And there is uh there's the Booker Discord. You get shout-outs, you get priority on episode selection, you get um, you know, and then and and there's and there's other stuff. There's and there's tons of content behind the scenes. Check it out, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Booker Pod. Andy. Let's get to today's topic. Okay. Let's get to some codes, baby. Oh, I am going to look into my scrying orb. <laughs> and he's got his scrying I'm orb. I'm pondering Jerry. my orb. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? He's scrying his orb, Jerry. <laughs> that meme, 10 out of 10 meme. Love that Seinfeld meme. Yeah. Hope it never dies. Uh, I hope Seinfeld memes stick around forever. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah, me too. They're great. I think they always will. It's a very memeable show. Yeah. Um, we've got our scrying orbs. We've got our big old scrying orbs. We got our Bibles. We got our orbs. And we're ready to uh, give you the whole enchilada on this topic, huh? Yeah, I'm Don't ready. You think? Yeah. You look got, ready. You got yeah. your little your little scrying hat, your scrying robes. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing my robes. I'm wearing my pointed hat that sort of droops to one side. Right. I have my reading glasses on. Mm-hmm. I have my codex for the Bible. Lots of tomes. Sitting next to me. I've got plenty of dusty tomes. I have yellowed scrolls i have and piss jars piss jars i'm not allowed to leave this room (laughs) it's me jiminy glick (laughs) when (laughs) what did you learn from the bible (laughs) did you learn how to predict the future (laughs) lava thank you jiminy glick for being here uh special guest jiminy glick oh he's gotta go see you later jiminy glick um we got to go, Andy, though. We got to go give these Bible codes to you, Bunk Funkers, so that you can learn how to do Bible codes at home yourself for free. <laughs> um, and you can start predicting the future yourself with the Bible. That's all we want is for That's each of you to want. feel empowered to predict the future. So here it is, the Bible code here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Amen. We, your intrepid co-hosts, have uncovered a secret message. A secret code hidden within the vast catalog of our podcast. It is the Enchilada Code. Mm, yes! <laughs> oh! oh, God. We have peered into the Enchilada Code, and it has foretold many a prophecy. For instance, the Enchilada Codes have told me that in the future... Co-host Art will probably end up getting into NFTs, even though he thinks they're dumb. And he'll get really pissed when he learns that people are saving his hot garf and FTs. Mmm. Mmm. Well, mm, I don't know about that code, but uh, were that code true, it would be a shitty thing to do because those are very valuable and sexy NFTs. 
designed by a who knows who, maybe a podcast host. We don't know. And you shouldn't be stealing them. Ooh, the codes. Mm, mm, yes. I have peered into the codes as well and was alerted to a prophecy as well, in which two decades from now, co-host Andy attempts to create his own religion, Scientology, based on a story about a little guy who lives in a blue world, and all day and all night and everything he sees is just blue, like him, inside and outside. Blue his house with a blue little window and a blue Corvette, and everything is blue for him, and himself and everybody around, because he ain't got nobody to listen to. Scientology. Scientology. (laughs) Sounds like the enchilada codes have foretold of ways in which both Art and I will become vastly rich off of scamming others. Also, it seems like they have predicted that I will actually live for two more decades. But mostly about scamming others. Maybe we ought to stop and reflect about what that says about us as people. No. Uh, Andy, we have a podcast to do. Patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunkerpod. You're uh, right, Art. Patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. You're right. The enchilada codes also foretold of <gasps> today's topic. What? The Bible code. No way. The Bible, little book called the Bible, has been used to make predictions since, well, it existed. I mean, if there's a prophecy to be said or a doomsday to prepare for, you better believe it was found in the Bible somehow. But what makes the Bible code so different? Well, it uses egghead science called math. I never heard of it personally. (laughs) Never heard of it. But eggheads like it, apparently. And boy, does this topic make eggheads seethe. They hate it. This guy uses one simple trick to predict the future. Eggheads hate him. Click here to learn more. (laughs) Obviously, there is a deep religious tradition in the Christian and especially in the Jewish faith of interpreting the quote unquote hidden meaning of the Bible. Right. So the Bible code is kind of adjacent to that a little bit. The Bible code is a supposed set of hidden words or encoded words rather within the Bible, which Bible code believers feel is prophetic and has predicted many significant historical events. Now, most Bible coders use only the Jewish Torah which is comprised of the books of Genesis through Deuteronomy in the Bible, and it's written in Hebrew to find these Bible codes. But, you know, many have also used English translations of the Bible to find similar codes. Yeah, we're not going to argue over semantics over here. The Bible codes have likely been most uh, made most famous by a man named Michael Drosnin in his book series called The Bible Code. Mm, apropos. A little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> According to Drosnin in his books, the Bible contains a ton of hidden codes pertaining to future events, and some may be warnings of an impending apocalypse. Wow. Drosnin was a former reporter for the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal and feels he brings a very factual and and uh, based approach. Wow. He's fucking based. He's based, dude. He's not. Uh, He's to- based and Bible-pilled. <laughs> He's based and Bible-pilled. Approach to reviewing the Bible codes. Quote, I started out, I have no idea what he sounds like. I started out in the night police beat. I have always had a very flat-footed, down-to-earth view of reality. And I was always, uh, and I was determined to deal with this story the same way I dealt with every other story. <laughs> we hear you bunk funkers, okay? 
But Andy and Art, what are these predictions? Oh, you just want to hear about the cool predictions, huh? Ah, well, relax, Bunkers. I mean, take a chill pill. You you all need to get based and chill pilled. <laughs> the enchilada code reveals reveals all. Okay, take relax. R E L A X. Art hates me doing that. It hears your cries. The enchilada code hears your cries and it answers them. Now let's see a couple of Bible code predictions brought up by Drosnin. There are many codes in the Bible that we'll talk about, but Drosnin's claim to fame is that he used the Bible code to quote unquote predict and alert of an upcoming political assassination. The 1995 assassination of Israeli prime minister Yitzhak Rabin, to be exact. In 1994, Drosnin found Rabin's name in the Bible code, along with the words quote, assassin will assassinate end quote. And the year corresponding to 1995 to 96 in the Hebrew calendar appeared nearby. To Drosnin, this was no mistake. This was an alert from within the Bible code itself, and Drosnin alerted the Israeli officials to this knowledge. The Israeli officials didn't take the information lightly, but regardless of the Bible code or Drosnin's attempts, Rabin was assassinated by Yigal Amir on November 4th, 1995. Drosnin spoke highly of the Bible Code's abilities in the aftermath. Quote, There were details as precise as the story reported on CNN. The full name of Rabin, the last, the first name of his assassin, the year he was killed, all but Amir, the assassin's last name, found before it happened. Wow. Just like CNN, to have <laughs> only the most basic facts <laughs> and not even all of those incomplete. Ooh, Andy, you might be a little uh, based in other pill there too. Yeah, I'm on some other pills, that's for sure. Unfortunately, the Bible codes didn't divulge the location or means by which Rabin was killed. Nevertheless, this is just one of the many historical references found within the Bible codes. Drosnin and many other Bible code believers have uncovered codes with references to the assassinations of Robert F. and John F. Kennedy. Drosnin also found the name Edison encoded near light bulb and electricity and Newton encoded near gravity. But the big reveal... Spoiler alert of Drosnin's Bible code books is the doomsday prediction he believes he found encoded within the Bible. Well, we should say doomsday predictions. Uh, the first was that World War III will start with a nuclear attack on Israel. He also found in the Bible code the return of the comet Swift in the year 2126, just as astronomers have predicted that it will return, uh, which, you know, they say could very well collide with Earth. Although, uh, here's the thing, modern calculations from astronomers say it won't. But he does foretell of a major earthquake in Los Angeles, which will have occurred in 2010. The book was written before 2010. He says, major earthquake in Los Angeles, 2010. This one we can actually retroactively give to Drosny because in 2010, on April 4th, Easter Sunday, the 2010 Baja California earthquake occurred with a moment magnitude 7.2. That's a pretty big Baja blast. <laughs> I was at Taco Bell. I see, I'd be saying, I'm my, my fucking thirst is quenched from this Baja blast. Um, you got to give me another cheesy gordita crunch because I got too much Baja blast here. That's right, baby. Now, this wasn't apocalyptic, but hey, that was a big boy earthquake. But how do they do it? How are such predictions made? How do you, yes, you, dear bunk funker, find Bible codes at home yourself? I mean, you can't find enchilada codes yourself, so please don't attempt. Pay me or Art to do it for you, obviously. Yeah, please pay it goes without saying. But you can find Bible codes yourself. We'll tell you how. 
But first, a quick history hog lesson. Just a paltry single oink for this one. Medieval mystics believe the Bible is a living divine artifact that was not written, but is actually of God, and it reacts to our world. And could this be the Bible codes? God speaking divinely to us through the codes? Religious mystics from the 16th century first attempted to find hidden meaning within the words of the Bible. So did Sir Isaac Newton, the aforementioned Isaac Newton who attempted to find codes in the Bible to predict the future or find the recipe for alchemy, turning objects into gold. But it wasn't until much later that the ELS method was first used to decode the Bible. ELS stands for equidistant letter sequence. Uh, The way it works is letters are selected based on a starting point, counting every nth letter uh, given a uh, based on a given skip number in a given direction, ignoring spaces and punctuation. Let's, Try to use an example to help illustrate this. Take this sentence. This sentence fits an ELS. If you start backwards at the very last letter and only read every fourth letter, you can find the word safest. That's encoded in that sentence. This sentence fits an ELS. Mm -hmm. The process can also be visualized as eliminating all the spaces between the words in the Bible or any text and arraying the letters into a grid where the number of letters in any row of the grid is the length of the skip. Uh, vertical lines in the array then constitute ELSs that in that skip code. Most of the time, Bible code researchers have programs which allow them to input words to search for and have the program return the starting position and letter skips needed to generate such words if they are able to be found. Now, the basis for this ELS method comes from an actual... Honest to God, real deal money, egghead, scientifically published in a legit journal, paper. It's gangster, baby. (laughs) In 1994, Doran Whitstam, Eliahu Rips, and Yoav Rosenberg published a paper titled Equidistant Letter Sequences in the Book of Genesis in the scientific journal Statistical Science. By the way, Eliahu Rips can uh, only be one of two people. He is either a mathematician or a character from the Beyblade series. Let it rip. And someone will get that one. The trio presented in their paper that within the Hebrew version of Genesis, there is statistically strong evidence showcasing the names and biographical information about famous rabbis centuries before they lived. Using the ELS method, they found many words, entire names of rabbis, their dates of birth, locations of birth, and more within statistically significant probabilities of proximity within their letter skips. Now, the paper doesn't really dive too heavily into the religious elements or connotations that the Bible code does. It likely would not have been published if it did. In fact, it was hotly debated amongst the eggheads whether to publish this paper in their egghead journal at all because of the religious connotations. The paper actually used the ELS method as a means of statistically uh, helping someone, well, in a way, translate a text. It actually has nothing to do with predictions. The scenario is as follows. Suppose you have a text in a foreign language that you don't understand, but you do have a small set of words that you do understand in that language and that are related, like hammer and anvil or Andy and art and really successful podcasters, whole and enchilada. Mm -hmm. So using that small set of words that you know, you could decipher, could you decipher whether the text you're investigating is legit or not. Like, is this text just a bunch of fucking gibberish 
written in a language that you don't understand? Or is it an actual meaningful text written in a language that you don't understand? ELS supposedly can be used to translate the text. It, it can't translate the text for you, given the small set of words. But the paper did help to answer this question. Can you use statistical analysis of the proximity of the related words to uncover structure in the text that will tell you whether it has any significant meaning? Thus, if the words you find are of a high proximity and high probability, then according to the paper, perhaps yes, you can use the ELS method to determine if a piece of text has meaning in a language. That's it. This will come as no surprise to anyone, but we're not eggheads. We're not. Uh, but Whitstam et al. Uh, mathematically define a way of measuring the quote-unquote distance between encoded words and statistical measures of how close together, quote-unquote, sets of encoded words are. And like we mentioned, their measures found that words with minimal skip values are more significant than ones with larger skips. No hopscotch moves here. We want minimal skippage. Okay. <laughs> Basically, if you find a word and only skip four letters versus a word where you skipped 237 letters, the one with four skips has a higher significance. Anyway, they ran experiments on two samples. One consisted of the names of 34 historical figures in Judaism and their birth and death dates. The other sample had the same information for a different set of 32 historical figures. For each sample, they created a set of 1 million different permutations of the names with the dates by taking 999,999 random matching. So, in other words, they have the names of these historical figures, two sets of data, one with 34, one with 32. They have 1 million permutations of that data in which all but one is just a random matching of all of the names with the dates. Right. So the name and the dates don't necessarily correspond, but they might. It's random. Uh, and then one permutation of each set of data where the names and the dates are matched. The methods they developed allowed them to measure the so-called distance between the list of names and the list of dates in each of the permutations. The results are pretty wild for eggheads, right? For example, <laughs> with the set of 32 names and dates, only three, three of the 1 million permutations had a shorter distance between them than the correct matching of names and dates. Overall, the authors calculate that the probability of, it, of, of obtaining the results that they did is 2 of 10,000. 2 10,000. I'll take that bet. Over under. They concluded this. We conclude that the proximity of equidistant letter sequences with related meanings in the book of Genesis is not due to chance. Not due to chance. That's how you know it's egghead science and not fucking cool, fun, Chad, fun stuff. Because it's just, it's just, it's, there's probably not chance involved. That's it. That's what they can conclude. Right. All that work. That's it. They no, don't no, they, they, no, no conclusions. Yeah. Needs to be done with some more. So, um, Harold Gaines, a, uh, or Gans, a retired cryptologist with the NSA, he independently repeated and confirmed the results and found similar phenomenon with other sets of data. So, Maybe, you know, maybe they're on the right track here. But the Bible code believers, they looked at that paper and they're like, oh, fuck. They got hard. Right, right. The researchers, yeah. they're eggheads. They're eggheads. Bible code believers, they're chads. That's right. They took the results of the paper a step further. 
The probabilities found, the methods used, in their mind, this was divine. These were anomalies encoded by God. Which is, funny enough, the same thing I tell my doctor. <laughs> it's God's During fault. every checkup. Yeah. These are anomalies encoded by God. My body's trying to send a message. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Bible coders are convinced. These are real deal money prophecies in the Bible. Uh, they're rolling out to prophecy town. <laughs> And God's got them riding shotgun. Um, and they believe that whether the paper originally intended to conclude that or not. Now, many of Nostradamus's writings have been interpreted as prophecies of the future as well. However, proponents of the Bible code argue that the Bible code is scientific and divine. Uh, a one-two punch there. It comes from God, but Nostradamus is just subjective. The vague writings of a mortal man who was probably a fucking loser and not a badass divine holy book with pages and shit. The historical record, I think, bears that yeah. out, that mm. Nostradamus was a person and not a book. He was not a book. Not a book written by God. The mathematical means by which Bible code combos are found is a sticking point for many Bible code believers. They feel it separates the Bible code from just another horoscope or silly prophecy. Enough egghead shit. Let's dig into some more Bible code findings. Woo. Here's some more Bible codes that appear within proximity to one another within the Bible. You can find Napoleon, France, Elba, and Waterloo appear in the same grid in the Bible. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. President Watergate. Who is he? Relating to President Nixon. Economic collapse. The Depression. Stocks. 1929. That's a fun grid. Fun Bible code. Bible trying to predict the fucking uh, Great Depression over Depression, there. Depression, yeah. Uh, a multitude of World War II predictions exists. Hitler, evil man, Nazi and enemy, slaughter. World War, it will strike them to destroy, to annihilate. Japan, atomic holocaust, 1945. Um, you've got man on moon with spaceship. Here's a fun one. Clinton, president, impeachment, lover of maidservant. Ooh, that's a spicy Ooh, one, Bible. That's a spicy, yeah. Bible. <laughs> Bible's getting spicy. Calling White House, White House interns maidservants. Okay. <laughs> All right, Little Bible. demeaning. Little demeaning. Um, there's a bunch of 9-11 related codes as well. Um, here's one from a chapter in Genesis. Twin Towers, terror, destruction, cursed is Bin Laden, revenge belongs to the Messiah. Oh my God. I cannot wait for episode two the Messiah Strikes Back. <laughs> Bible Code 2, The Messiah Strikes Back. Or 9-11-2. 2, The Messiah Strikes Back. And this time, it's personal. <laughs> and then you've got Pentagon, Plane Crash, Secondary Target. The 9-11 ones, I mean, the probability of those words being so close together is highly significant to them, to these Bible Code believers. Yeah. Dimitri Brandt, a software engineer who works for the Wikimedia Foundation wrote a very fun Windows app that runs Bible codes and, and you can download it yourself. A link to the GitHub source code will be in the episode show notes. So check it out there. Mm -hmm. The app essentially performs the ELS search technique on any text file. So, hey, you can maybe find hidden messages in A Tale of Two Cities or Chicken Soup for the Soul or your own homemade transcriptions of this right. podcast. Fucking uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, dude. You find some fucking... Uh, Who knows what's encoded in there? Who knows, baby? So, Brant, Dimitri Brant, used the King James Version of the Bible. And here are some more predictions he found along with the verses. Uh, from starting with Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 17. 
Kennedy shot. Numbers, chapter 1, verse 20, shuttle lost. Uh, the book of Exodus, starting chapter 6, verse 20, WTC plane crash. This was fun. So we decided it's really a lot of fun remembering President Kennedy's assassination, the, the Challenger disaster, and the World Trade Center uh, attack. It's a lot of fun remembering those things that <laughs> were all very fun events for all of us. So we decided, let's see what other fun things we can find in the Bible code. Let's, so we did a little look-sees ourselves. Andy and Art appear together 966 times. Wow. Art Stone appears 908 times. Andy Art, only 60. Oh, fuck, dude. You are fucked. What the fuck, Bible? I'm in there, baby. I My name is derivative of one of the apostles. I suppose so. Yellow. <laughs> Yellow. Whole enchilada does not appear. What the fuck, Bible? It's fucked up. It's fucked up, God. No, Mr. Bunker. There is no Mr. Bunker in the Bible code. Mr. Bunker does not appear. Wow. Thank God. Now, Bunkfunkers, prepare yourselves for this next one. We encourage you to sit down if you're not already. It's a big one. Grab a seat because this is going to floor you. Big Foot, Big and Foot, returns 666 results. There are 600, 666 combinations wow. of the words big and foot found encoded in the Bible. Bunk Funkers. Bigfoot is the Antichrist. Wow. You heard it here first. We're this the is first. breaking this news. Is the first Bigfoot take. is the Antichrist. Bigfoot's the Antichrist. You heard it here first. 9-11-2. The Messiah strikes back against its mortal enemy, Bigfoot the Antichrist. Bigfoot's the Emperor. And Jesus is second coming. Is Luke Skywalker. That's right. I guess. Now, for some weird reasons, when we presented that info to the Statistical Science Journal, they told us to go away and to, quote, stop sending letters via a brick through their offices and, quote, whatever. Okay. We get so, it. So, these friggin' eggs. You can turn us down without being insulting. We decided to do our own. Yes. Real. Real Bible code research. And this is the first place you'll ever hear it. And I think... This is a first for this humble podcast, Andy. We're actually investigating a phenomenon ourselves and not just blatantly reading off of Wikipedia. Oh, man. If there's one thing I hate about this show, it's how we always do that. Just read stuff on Wikipedia. Just pull up the Wikipedia page while we're here and just read directly off of Wikipedia. The same old boring information as every other podcast, but with disgusting, annoying frat house chatter humor. Man, I hate how we do that. And we definitely don't write and research custom scripts pertaining to bizarre and offbeat topics meant to entertain and enlighten with our own unique brand of humor and fun host chemistry over the course of hundreds of hours a week, every week, without fail, for free. Too bad. No, instead, we we took the option of just coming in here every week and reading directly off Wikipedia. Because if you go to the Wikipedia page for the Bible Code, all this exact same information is there. So save yourself some time listening to this and just go read the Wikipedia. Yeah, we suck. You can say that again. <laughs> we took a stab at some real Bible code research by looking up codes on COVID, which is uh, going on at the time of this recording. And probably whenever you're listening yeah, to this, probably well. even if this is many years in the future. The COVID codes. COVID codes. So does the Bible have any answers for us about COVID? Does it? COVID appears in the Bible 68 times at various letter skips. COVID and virus and cure appear in two separate places. All three of those words. Okay, we're getting somewhere. What other research did we do to maybe figure it out? 
COVID and fart appear correlated a few times, but the letter skips on COVID are not very good. Only 275. Uh, mm. Mm. We need another break in our research. We were hoping that farts would cure COVID. I'm going to be honest with you, bunkfunkers. I mean, we did some work here, but then we kind of got a little distracted and started looking up things like cum and poop and fart and dick and balls. And... Did you know that diarrhea doesn't show up in the Bible codes at all? Wow, what a disaster. But hey, look at us contributing to society. Don't say we didn't ever give back humanity. Yeah. So we contributed that to society. Uh-huh. So <laughs> get you. over yourselves, humanity. Diarrhea doesn't show up in the Bible codes. Now we know. Did anybody think to look of it before? No. No. But where are these codes coming from exactly? Most believe these codes came from the great encoder, God, as he's sometimes called the great encoder. (laughs) But other takes include some kind of time traveler from the far future who is leaving these hidden codes in the Bible. Or aliens, of course. Of course. Naturally. Uh, Now, we've dished plenty of Bible codes, but what do the Bible code breakers, the skeptics, have to say about all this? Well, there's quite a bit of codes the skeptics are breaking here. <laughs> Let's uh, start with the people involved in all of this. Let's talk about this community okay. of Bible coders. Michael Drosnan and uh, Eliyahu Rip's letter rap has spent a great deal of time. <laughs> Andy doesn't get the reference, but I like it. I know what a Beyblade is, but I never watched the show. I mean, I didn't either. It was past my time. But I, you know, anyway. They spent a lot of time working together on their version of the Bible codes. Rips, of course, co-authored the original Bible code, quote unquote, paper in the Statistical Science Journal. But as we mentioned earlier, that original paper, it did not endorse the idea of any kind of hidden message in the Bible. It's about like text translations and egghead science. It's right. Rips and Drosden have really taken it that way, though, and have fucking run with it. And uh, uh, Witztum uh, and another you know, co-author of the original paper, has publicly denounced the work of Michael Drosnan in his Bible Code books. And Rips has two in a way, but then like doesn't really deny the accuracy of the many areas in Drosnan's books where he's quoted. I was right. The book itself overall is not, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rips has also appeared in many different History, history Channel programs regarding the Bible Codes. And their supposed divine meeting. They like, I mean, you know, obviously I don't want to speak for the guy. Maybe the history channel approaches you, says, hey, I want to talk about that historical research. Then they chop up your interview and stick you in there. Right. But, you know, skeptics are pointing at him and saying like, what's going on here, buddy? Right. Let her rip. Why would you even agree to do that? Right. Yeah. The strongest Bible code busting take the skeptics have is the absurd amount of cherry picking going on with the supposed codes and evidence coming from the Bible codes. When looking for a Bible code, the researchers specify the word they want to find. They're literally just finding what they want to find. The easiest way to find I, stuff. I mean, just yeah. go look what you want. It's not like they're running something and the Bible's spitting a Mac. It's you're putting in words. Right. You have to know what to look for. Yeah, this is not the, uh, <laughs> we're not talking like a uh, Zodiac right. killer cryptography exercise here. This right. is just like searching for it. Yeah. Um, anyway, the Bible is a huge friggin' book, dude. I don't know if you've ever seen this thing, but it's long. It's big a boy. It's a big book. You can find almost any fucking thing in there if you look hard enough. In fact, some of the code skips used by Drosnin and other Bible code believers are outrageous. With his Israeli prime minister assassination example, Drosnin had to use a skip value of 4,772 characters. 
That's massive. He's skipping every letter. He's skipping entire chapters yeah. of this book. Yeah. 4,772 characters each time. Skipping them. Furthermore, Bible coders are ignoring all the other combos of words you can find encoded in the Bible. Remember Dimitri Bryant from earlier? Well, he looked up a bunch of other codes within the Bible as well. Here's some others he found, which we didn't mention, but I find really funny. These are very funny. There's more, um, too. Yeah. Starting Genesis chapter 11, verse 28, God ain't real. Just <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, starting uh, book of Ezra, chapter 4, verse 15, Jesus saves none. And my favorite, Jer from the book of Jeremiah, starting chapter 13, verse 16, Jesus sucks. <laughs> Which <laughs> just sounds like graffiti yeah that you would find on like a christian school bathroom <laughs> jesus sucks. sounds like something a uh temperamental teen says after their parents try to make them go to church if jesus, jesus sucks you know isn't there some of that apocryphal literature that talks about jesus having a family and having children oh yeah this yeah, is something yeah. like jesus's child would say right jesus's wife would have been like okay zebediah you need to like Go eat your broccoli or whatever. Eat your broccoli. Your broccoli. I don't know. Did broccoli exist at this time? Who knows? Who knows? Um, and he's like, eh, why? Well, your dad created it from shittier vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's how that worked. He huh? created it from shittier vegetables. So he did all this work of transmuting shit fucking turnips that nobody wants into broccoli. You should at least eat him. He's like, oh, Jesus sucks. He's not my real dad. Uh, anyway, uh, even author and podcast purveyor, handsome Brian Dunning of Skeptoid, gave his hand at finding his own Bible codes. He found, quote, Brian is a cool guy, end quote, in his. <laughs> oh, really, Brian? We found world's cutest convict in ours. Wink, wink. Our own secret codes. Wink. The enchilada code revealed that one. Wink. World's cutest convict. <laughs> Looks good in orange. <laughs> Another fun Bible code that many believed was uh, going to bring the downfall of all of humanity was Comet 2012, Earth Annihilated, as depicted in one of the many History Channel Bible code programs. Only thing about this one is, tough one, but it's 2022 right now. Wait, what the, the fuck? As the time of this recording. And no comet came in 2012 that oh. we know of. Now, we did do an episode that the world ended in 2012. We didn't talk about a comet. Yeah, I was told that we did an episode on this already. And it turns, right. it turns out that uh, the world may have ended, actually. Maybe. So, you know, obviously there's maybe some room for this to still be right. But I guess this kind of shows when you're searching for words in this manner, there's really anything you want to find hidden in the Bible. So... If this code were really a divine intervention meant for us to discover, don't you think it, you would not be able to find God ain't real, Jesus sucks? Like, you wouldn't find that stuff if they were real, say the skeptics. Yeah. As for me, I can't get enough of that story from the Bible where Noah got drunk and his son saw him naked. So I just keep searching the Bible code for naked Noah. Guess what, Art? There's 1,000 results and one combo has naked with one letter skips and Noah with four letter skips. Tell me that's not divine statistical intelligence. That's pretty fucking, I mean, when you get a one letter skip, that's literally one just letter skip. the word. Naked, yeah. There's no spaces. There's no spaces. It's just the word naked. 
<laughs> and then Noah is right there with a four. That's four? pretty fucking good. Naked Noah. Um, my wrestling alter ego, Naked Noah. <laughs> yeah, you've got a finishing move like the Great Flood uh, or, you know, the Ark. It's where I drunk too much wine and I yeah. just vomit all over right. and fill the ring with vomit. Yep. Now, another sticking point for skeptics is the meaning of the words decoded in Hebrew. As we mentioned, real. I mean, that, that would probably be a counter argument is that we're looking up all these things in English. You got to use the real Hebrew um, Torah. That's where it's believed that the real Bible codes come from, written in Hebrew. Well, Drosden and many other Bible coders kind of take some uh, liberties with the meaning of these Hebrew words they find in the codes. Many Hebrew words have multiple meanings in English, and this can pose a problem for Bible codes. For example, the words accompanying the name uh, Yitzhak Rabin, or uh, Rabin, are variously... Uh, Yitzhak Rabin is the, the bird they named in honor of Yitzhak Rabin. I was going to say that's Batman's Jewish, uh, you know, sidekick. I tell you what, he had one hell of a bat mitzvah. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> but I'm chuck. Uh, they're variously translated. So remember, he he found assassin will assassinate, right? And it's like, oh, fuck. But, you know, you could also say it's assassin that will assassinate, assassin who will assassinate. Others have pointed out that the Hebrew word for murder uh, might actually be misinterpreted as assassinate, given that in mind, one could surmise that maybe this Bible code wasn't a prophecy of a leader's assassination, but a warning that this leader is a murderer. Uh, what? Uh, hello? That's very different. Now, similar research has been done by Professor Brendan McKay of the Australian National University, and he found very similar findings to Whitsum, Whitsum, Rips, and Rosenberg, but by searching through the Hebrew translation of war and peace. That doesn't really bode well for those believing the Bible codes are divine if you can find the same stuff a secular book. Do we know that God didn't write War and Peace? Do we know that God didn't write War and Peace? New episode coming soon. There we go. Another issue with the Bible coders is their misuse of the original paper outlining ELS. The original paper provided the proximities of the various words found in order to come to the paper's final conclusion. The, that words appearing closer in proximity, that is, fewer letter skips, return a statistically significant result that the next that the text you are evaluating has grammatical meaning. But many of the Bible coders flippantly use probability and proximity willy-nilly to make it seem like the codes they found are so unique. Drosnin writes, quote, the odds that it would be encoded with his name were 100 to 1. The Rabin assassination was encoded against odds of 3,000 to 1, end quote. What do these odds mean? <laughs> yeah, who's setting those odds? Where did they come from? Who like is there a bookmaker in <laughs> Vegas doing this? Drosnin and many other Bible coders never provide their letter skips, nor do they break down the statistical significance of the codes they find. They just say it has great meaning. And many of these so-called predictions are of the uh no duh variety. <laughs> A lot of Bible code predictions are things that have already happened, first off. But second off, for any of the prophecies or predictions are highly plausible events with or without the Bible code. For example, a major earthquake in California. Earthquakes routinely happen year-round in California. It should not come as a shock when one happens. Controversial politicians getting assassination threats, etc.? I mean, what's next? 
You predict I'll rush to the toilet to take a dump, even though I'm expecting an important phone call any minute on my landline that I still pay for. And then as I'm squatting on the porcelain throne, the call comes and I comically attempt to leave the bathroom with my pants still around my ankles and fall down the stairs like a goofball, knocking my head against the end table at the foot of the stairs, allowing my unconscious sweaty body pants festooning my ankles to be discovered by my wife and child as they both loudly sigh in unison and proceed to get the dad fell off the toilet emergency go bag that we keep secured in the front closet. That happens at least twice a week. Give me a break. That's not a prediction. That's a promise. That's a promise. I mean, it's a certainty. (laughs) Give me a break. A lot of doomsday predictions from the Bible code also suffer from backtracking or the Quote, can't be wrong predictions uh, where either result is most definitely in there. So I'm never wrong. Uh, it's it's like the kid on the playground. It's like, mm, nah, well, I have a visible shield. I had it. I Nope. Nope. Lasers can't penetrate my shield. Like, nope. I know. Be- I know before it resisted all physical damage. Well, it also resists energy damage now. <laughs> Drazen, for example, predicted and quote, atomic holocaust of Israel in 1996. And when that didn't happen. Uh, he found the word delayed encoded near the prediction. Quote from him, from Drosnan. Why didn't the Bible code just tell the one real future? The answer appears to be there. That there isn't just one real future. There are many possible futures. Dros- Drosnan's voice changed a lot. Over the course Sorry. Of this. Yeah, I don't know what he sounds like. He could sound like anything. I mean, just like these predictions. Yeah, I'm wow. not wrong. That's true. <laughs> so if Drosnan is right about the future, he's an amazing prophet. Oh, my God. Ooh. If he's wrong, well, he just happened to get a different future that time. I mean, that's big time Chad energy, but still, bro. I mean, fucking come on. You're backtracking around here like the virgin. Can't do that. You got to go just what you got to go hard. One answer. Pick, pick a thing and go for it. Yeah. Even if it's totally wrong. Yeah. Never admit that you were wrong. Never back down. Just keep saying it. Another great example. Remember that comet hitting earth in the 2012 prediction? Well, a similar comet Bible code search brings up this grid. Comet, it will be crumbled. I will tear it to pieces. 2012. See, the Bible code wasn't wrong. It just had both outcomes prepared for you. No matter what happens, the Bible codes were right all along. I think those are lyrics from a Black Eyed Peas song, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Bunkbookers, you've been right all along listening to today's topic on the Bible codes. What do you think? Divine encoded messages? or stupid clickbait statistical anomalies. Either way, there's no disproving the awesome power of the whole enchilada code. Mmm, <laughs> I'm getting out my orb. Mmm, yes. Mmm, as I peer into it now, I see you. Dear Bunk Funker, logging on to MrBunkersConspiracyTime.com forward slash merch and enjoying yourself a nice Welcome to the Bunker t-shirt or perhaps a cozy Bunker logo sweatshirt and mug. Ooh, you'll be dripping. Hey, hey, hey wait a minute, Art. What? Uh, uh, mm, oh. Ooh, my orb. Oh, no. Oh, no, we've been reading these codes wrong. What? These aren't these aren't the enchilada codes. These are the enchilada codes. Oh, my God. Oh God. We've been shilling our shit all topic long. What a blunder on our sterling reputations, Andy. Oh, my God. Bunk funkers. How foolish of us. Obviously, uh, were you to peer into the actual enchilada code and not the enchilada code, there is only one sequence you will find, and the probability 
is highly significant. The code is the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast will be right back after this brief message. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise, and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. Hey, welcome back, bunkfuckers. That was our research of the Bible codes. Dun, the Bible, dun, 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 dun. Bible codes. Dun. Andy, blanket statement. Here we go. Soapbox out. This is the fucking stupidest bullshit in the fucking world. The topic, very fun. I like the topic, not shitting on the topic. Holy fuck, I have never come out harder. I think this is so... There, there, we've Everything we've else we've ever uncovered, fucking ghosts and aliens and shit... Have so much more validity than this. This is the fakest fucking bullshit. <laughs> this is so stupid. It has nothing to do with anything. And that's it. Blanket statement. Top that. Wow. Come at you hard. That is one hell of a blanket statement. After. Don't you drop something on me where you're like, actually, are now I'm starting to think the Bible is real. After learning about the Bible code. I'm left with this feeling that I feel in some other situations as well, which is so what? (laughs) What do you mean? So what? To me, this is a very bag. What? Enhance. Enhance. Computer. (laughs) Andy computer. Enhance. This is a very Baghdad battery situation for me. And what I mean when I say that is... In the early days of Ancient Aliens, the TV show on History Channel, yeah, they did an initial episode, I think an hour-long special. That was the very first Ancient Aliens. And what they tried to have on there were 
believers and a skeptic. So they had people like Eric Von Daniken and Giorgio Sukalos. Well, they also had somebody on there who was an editor of a skeptical magazine. And one of the things they talked about in this inaugural episode was a clay pot, right? Small clay pot that was found in Iraq. We're not talking ganj. We're talking a vessel, a clay vessel that had a top to it mm-hmm. that had copper, lemon juice, and like asphalt or something like to stop it. Oh. And what they found it's is a that, battery. Well, oh, what they found is if you put an acidic substance inside of it, like orange juice, you can create a ch- electrical charge with it. Wow. And so believers say this is proof that ancient people in Iraq, at least, had access to electricity. Skeptics, on the other hand, say we have no evidence that suggests that anybody in Iraq ever put orange juice in this. They had no electrical devices that we find. Yeah, they were in their fucking iPhones. So in what way would it be a battery? Why would that be useful to them? Right. There's no evidence that they would have used it this way. And we don't know what they used Ancient it aliens gave them battery technology. Right. That ancient aliens helped them learn how to create batteries from their mm. rudimentary tools and materials that were available to them and that they were using that to power electrical devices. Bible code feels a lot like that to me where it's taking something old, looking at it through a modern lens and going, here's something significant when really it has nothing to do with the original intent of the creation of that thing. I agree and somewhat disagree with you, but I do agree with you. Uh, I disagree right, well, with you because pointing I, out that I, I, you disagree with yeah, me. I can't, I can't, I don't want to be associated with you in any way. Much like Wit's term or this Eliyahu rips, let it rip. Right, Beyblade. right. Three, two, one, let it rip. Um, that's how you, oh my God. Number one. That's what, that's what you would be in the Beyblade series is you would, you would fart and you'd be like an obnoxious comedic character. You'd be like, let it rip. And you'd be like, toot. And everyone would be like, Andy Coon. And then you'd be like, dee. And you'd be really bad at Beyblade battling. Yeah, right. I would be. I would have not, a shitty Beyblade. I would not be allowed to participate. No. But you'd be like the main character. Beyblade fun, reminds friend, me friend. of that older board game, Crossfire. It's probably a lot like Crossfire. That. You get caught up in the Crossfire. I think that this also, is. Also, do you remember that CNN show that had Tucker Carlson on it? It's called Crossfire. Was that with Chris? Uh, what's the other guy who was on it? I don't, can't remember. Uh, Matt something? Yeah, it, but, uh, yeah, I don't remember something like that. Paul Bagala, Paul Bagala. Um, no, this is this is. It's just like it. It drives me nuts because the original paper had nothing to do with finding words. It literally was just something sort of religious. These guys used the Bible because they're all like you know very like uh, religious. You know, it's a well-known text. It's a well-known text, and they're easy to relate to. Easy to relate to, and also they're probably passionate about it because they're like you know they're all like Jewish historians as well as mathematicians. Right. So they're very involved in their religion, I guess you could say. And so it made sense. And then so it's like somebody, oh God, somebody used like a weird kind of math thing that's like kind of easy to figure out yourself. And then, oh God, and religion. And it got published in like a real scientific paper. So then they're just fucking running wild with it. The actual Bible code stuff has, 
it's in no way related to the source. They're not even using ELS the right way. It's literally if you were like, I'm like struggling to put something together. It's like if there were like instructions on how to use a fucking blender and then you use the, like you put the blender in the oven. You're like, oh, look, I'm blending food. You like put food in the blender and then you stub the blender in the oven. And then you're like, I made a meal. Like It's the same thing. It's like ELS was not designed to be used this way. Uh, can I? No way. Can I say about the ELS paper? Sure. Go just ahead. briefly. I don't really even, no, I, I guess, understand it. the thesis I don't get of it. it. I don't get it either. Because people have picked it apart. Like, like we didn't talk about it because it's boring, but it's right, like right, right. It, all these other eggheads were like, ah, I found different results. You're wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's good. That's what they should do, right? But that's what they do. To say that if you took a paper in a foreign language and then you used a letter skipping method to determine if a paper is grammatically significant well, rather than just gibberish. I'm like, I don't, does that hold up to scrutiny? In theory, it makes sense, right? If, if you had a small set of words and you were like, I know these words in that foreign language, but then it's, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. It's statistics. It's like yeah. the, the point of the paper is to be like, Ooh, we use statistics. Right. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's like, you know, I don't really, I don't necessarily, maybe I guess somebody could I, take ELS and apply it to another theorem. You yeah. Know? I guess I don't necessarily understand the point they're trying to make completely right. with the paper. No, it doesn't really make it like, why would you ever be like, I only have a small set of words and I want to know if that foreign language makes, I guess maybe for like ancient languages that we like don't have, like maybe if you had a small set of words in an ancient language, like ancient yeah. fucking Sumerian shit yeah, or whatever. And then like. You found some Sumerian text and people were like, did somebody chisel these stone tablets for a significant purpose or is it just gibberish? (laughs) We'll never know. We'll have to use letter skipping. Maybe. I don't know. I agree with you. It's, it's just, it's just an egghead scientific thing. And then the Bible code people are just (laughs) if in running wild, 2000 years, somebody finds the scripts that we write for this show. (laughs) They will have to use letter skipping because nobody will want to actually read the content. No, no. It will make no fucking sense. They, there's another problem though with this, right? And that's yeah, the diarrhea isn't found in the Bible. That's a big issue for huge. me. Huge because diarrhea is a universal human experience, and it's a funny thing, and it's a word. Yeah, and it does exist. <laughs> and you can't fucking tell me that in Hebrew they didn't have a word for a diarrhea because I've had it, <laughs> and I have it right now, so I know it's real. And it's not there, and that makes me mad. So publish our paper. Let her rip. <laughs> Let her rip. Oh, oh! I shouldn't have done I need that. To change my pants. Uh, What's your other problem with it? The we kind of we talked about this a little bit. It's the issue of translation. Translation is a problem because. Think about the Bible itself. Ah, yes, I agree. There are many and more translations of the Bible. Oh, yeah. The reason that there continue to be new translations is because people go back and reconsider the Hebrew text or Sanskrit text or Sanskrit, yeah, uh, Aramaic or whatever language these original, oh boy, starting a religious controversy here, Sanskrit, there's always, but 
the Aramaic or the Hebrew, the these old <laughs> texts that form the basis oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the Bible. There's all these reconsiderings and whoever does the translation may right. translate it slightly differently. Well, and, we, yeah. you know, for anybody that's interested in translating ancient languages, not that long ago. Why are you listening to this? Why? Yeah. <laughs> you could probably be we spending. We can barely speak modern languages correctly. Modern English is difficult for both of us. Okay. So we're not qualified to talk about anything <laughs> yeah. at all. Just talking. Right. I recently picked up a copy. Oh. Of two books, actually. Robert Fagels's translations of Homer's Odyssey and the Iliad. The Iliad and the Homer's Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whatever. In the right order. And in the Iliad, Fagels starts off by... Iliad. Yeah, the Iliad. <laughs> Gotta fight for your right to party. <laughs> the Iliad starts off with Fagels giving sort of a discussion about how he translated Homer's epics Uh and some of the choices that he made in the book and put in all these hot babes and they're really into this guy named Robert Fagel. Now he's not in the original story, but I think he's pretty cool. And I would say that chicks really want to have sex with him and that his ex-wife really regrets divorcing him and taking half of his stuff. He has a cool sword. He's best friends with everybody. He drives a bitchy looking Trans Am and nobody makes fun of him for it. <laughs> and his hairline is not receding. <laughs> and his hair plugs, were he to have them, would look professionally done and not by a guy that he met under some bleachers. <laughs> so he made those choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes this story so much cooler that's fucking boring <laughs> i'm gonna write a version i'm gonna translate my own version of the Iliad now dude you might with as well Robert fagels in it you might as well you could do this i didn't know you could do this we should do this i could do whatever you want Who do whatever the fuck? fuck we want i translated yeah. it myself i made some liberties yeah <laughs> creative license what are you gonna do ancient greece ancient greece gonna sue me <laughs> McNeil, can't. <laughs> oh my God, Robert Bagel. <laughs> and nobody ever calls him Robert Bagel as a means of making fun of him. <laughs> He's a really cool guy. I hope you like my book. <laughs> anyway, standing on the giants' shoulders, shoulders of giants, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. All right. What what choices did he make when he translated the Iliad and Homer's Odyssey? Well, you make translators make a lot of choices. Sure. They gotta. They have to. Because language is not a monolith. In that language has language changes. It evolves. Oh, big time. It's it's a living thing that people use. We could go back a few hundred years to people who speak English at the time, we may have a hard time communicating with those people. A hundred percent. You need to be educated in old English to read the original as it's written works of Jeffrey Chaucer for English speakers. Modern day, 
you can make out some of the words. Sure. But the spellings are all different. The oh, usage yeah. is quite different. You go read the, the first folio, Shakespeare's original manuscripts. Incredibly difficult to read. Yeah. And part of language as well is context. Mm-hmm. Context that's not necessarily even in the text, but cultural context. Big time. That you have to understand. So Fagels talks a lot about how the work of translating a text is as mm-hmm. much a work of being a historian as it is is just looking at the ancient Greek <laughs> as being a guy who has a tattoo. Okay? Yeah, a lot of people said it was. It was the Red Hot Chili Peppers logo at one point. A lot of people said, yeah, it was a midlife crisis, but it's also part of an identity. (laughs) And my character, Robert Fagels, (laughs) in the Iliad, is just trying to establish himself, (laughs) even though his dad was a famous professor. (laughs) He wanted to strike a different path. God, this poor fucking guy. <laughs> May he rest in peace. All right, okay, okay, okay. What did he do? What did he do? All right. Why don't you get your point out? Oh I, my agree, God. I agree with everything you're saying so far. So um, so it's just, it's a, a lot of what it talks about is how the the act of translation is involves a lot more than just reading the words right, and figuring out what they mean in English. Right. It's much more complicated than that. One of the things that Fagels talks about, and I think got some criticism for, because I did a little bit of research before I bought these books. Oh, you bought them? I bought them at Half Price Books. I got a good deal. Wow. Probably some college kid used them in their college course. But Dummies. their loss is my gain. That's right. <laughs> but one of the things that Fagels talks about is that he made a choice to interpret the works of Homer sort of in a way that it would have been presented to an ancient Greek audience. These were meant to be read aloud. Right, People weren't right. reading in ancient Greece. No. So there's a performance aspect to it. There's, there's a verbal aspect to it. So he tries to pace the text in such a way. And I think it's great personally. That I really cool. I, I like really that. enjoyed reading it. I thought it was, I mean, I, it's very engaging, I think. Um, and so he saw, if I'm remembering right, what he felt like were some defects in some of the other translations is that they didn't capture that spirit of Homer's intent. But where that leads you is that you sometimes maybe say something that doesn't make sense. If you were just looking at the language, this ancient Greek, compare it to English, maybe you change something to get a specific pacing because the way that it lines up with the syllable count and stuff because that's like a big thing of the his part of his argument is that this is a really long poem. Yeah. There's no way anybody would be able to remember this without using some taking some liberties in the performance and that the structure of it, the way that the syllables are structured, there's this cadence to it. Right. And that helps the orator deliver the poem. So throughout he's making choices that suit that style rather than if we went back and look at what the written text is in ancient Greek, when somebody finally wrote this down, rather than thinking about it through strictly that text, which is what some of the other translations do, you think about what's the spirit of that text and the Ah. way it would have been presented. So 
the translator's goal is not necessarily to just look at one document and create an exact document copy of that in another language. It's to think about the intent of that document, add any necessary context in the language you're translating it to. Mm -hmm. So you might translate something from ancient Greek into modern English and arrive at a different translation than if I translate something from ancient Greek into Japanese. Right. Because English and Japanese aren't the same language. They're quite different. You may not be able to just one for one translate. And if you take a translation of something from ancient Greek that was translated into English, and then you translate it into Japanese, will the Japanese translation even relate all that much to the ancient Greek? I don't know. Maybe not. Right. So what we're looking at with the Bible is if you go off of English versions of it, it's English interpretations of Aramaic or ancient Hebrew, which scholar, there's not that much scholarly consensus at some points in the Bible on the way things should read. There's a lot of different feelings of, about the historical connotation right. of some of these things and what the actual intent of the ancient Hebrew is. And plus, modern Hebrew, not the exact same as ancient Hebrew. No. Language changes. It evolves. Wow. Yeah. So all that. <laughs> my point was. Your point. The Bible code. <laughs> we're getting there. Whew, we're almost there. Push. I got really off, off target here, bunk bunkers, uh, but we're going to deliver this baby right now. <laughs> all right. The point is the Bible code is not necessarily based on anything that's accurate to the original intent of the it Hebrew is based. Bible. Yeah, it is based. And Drosnin says that, and he's right. It's based. It's based in Bible pilled. The... <laughs> People that are looking at it from the original Hebrew, mm-hmm. that makes more sense to me than oh, big time. going off of the King James Bible, yeah. which itself has some translations that people right. find, I want I don't want to say problematic, but that maybe aren't totally accurate. It's yeah. an older translation. And you LeBron can LeBron didn't do a very good job. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron joke before. LeBron's you know, his Hebrew's good. It's not perfect though. <laughs> the thing with uh the King James version is that there are some changes that were made there. The King James version then becomes a foundational text in English literature, right? You, you need the King James Bible to really understand things even as late as like Walt Whitman in the 19th century, right? Like you need, you need like that helps inform your reading of those texts. So it's, it's sort of a foundational thing. So a little mistake in the translation or a choice made by the translator can have this sort of butterfly effect oh, wow. on literature. And then that becomes the accepted thought about it when right. really it's like, it's not necessarily accurate or it's not even the best possible translation. So there's tons of different versions yeah. of the Bible. You could pick almost anything. And then if you go and then take skipping letters out of an English version, which is itself a translation that somebody made choices in, how how much can you rely on those results? 100%. For anything. 100%. Now, you obviously are fucking... It, it has struck a vein with you over this whole translation issue. Uh, I just think it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Don't get me wrong. I, I take more umbrage with the methodology. It's just like yeah. you are quite literally telling the words that you want to find. It, the Bible is not telling you the words. You're not inputting a code... And having words spit out at you, you're not doing a method and, and getting things from the Bible. You are literally 
giving the words to the Bible, and then the program is just going, here it is. So how like how am I supposed to predict anything? If I look up comet in a year, like, okay, you looked up an assassination. It's not like the Bible was like, he'll be assassinated via a gun. Look, look towards the fucking grassy knoll. Like, you know, it's like, there's none of that shit. It's just like gun assassination. That doesn't help me. Mm -hmm. That does not help me. A lot of people levy these same criticisms against Nostradamus, which is that the the prophecies are too oblique. Yeah, motherfucker, you're vague as shit. I hate that shit. If I saw Nostradamus, I'd be like, who, what, when, where, motherfucker? Where's your nut graph? Give me your nut graph, Nostradamus. You better nut on this graph. And tell me that who, what, when we're up top, motherfucker. Homeboy. You know Come what at I, me. What I find most I'll interesting. I'll fight Nostradamus. I don't give a fuck. What I find most interesting about Nostradamus is <laughs> yeah. the continual That's reappearance fight me. of this character who, even though it's not the style at the time, he wears a sick, cool, freaking good looking mullet. Even though people make fun of him, even and but it's cool, and someday yeah. it's going to be in fashion. Yeah, and people just need to shut up about it. Right. That guy, that character that keeps reappearing. What does that character mean? His name is Mostradamus. <laughs> but my point is, I think the biggest criticism of Nostradamus is that none of his prophecies have ever helped prevent anything. No, they only they're only predictive in the sense that. They predicted stuff that already happened because people go back and say, well, this is clearly what this is, but nobody's ever used a Nostradamus quatrain to actually prevent something, right? Nobody's ever gone out and said, Nostradamus wrote this, which means this thing is going to happen in the future. We need to prevent that. And it's come true. No, I mean, people go backwards and they say, look at Nostradamus predicted it. And it's like, yeah, I predicted stuff that happened in the past too. Just ask me about it. <laughs> like I could predict anything that happened in the past. Right, yeah. I'm great at it. Yeah. It's called a fucking history book. It's called a Google search. Yeah. I think yeah, Google's great at predicting stuff that already happened. Dude, the Google code. It's so specific too. <laughs> so fast. Um I just it's the history like the history part of the Bible codes is even funnier to me because it's just like look, stuff from history. It's like you're just putting in words, dude. Yeah. Yeah, look, it found Richard Nixon. It knew about Nixon. It if didn't you find anything, if you ask it to find Nixon and you don't care how many skips there are, you can find it. It's that makes it even more shocking that diarrhea doesn't come up. It's true. Because the only rule might of come thumb, up in the Hebrew version. The only rule of thumb with this is that the letters have to be equally spaced. So I mm. can't skip one, then skip 50, then skip in the same word. Correct. It has to be from the same level. So despite all of the text in the Bible, at every possible interval Mm -hmm. from zero to infinity, or I guess from one, one is the most, the least you could have, one to infinity, there's no combination within the text of the Bible, the King James Bible, that says diarrhea. And I'm putting those those odds at four million to one. That's four million to one. And possibility. Don't ask me where I got those numbers from. It's almost it's almost inconceivable. Inconceivable. I'm telling you, the Bible made committed the world's biggest blunder by not encoding the word diarrhea into it. True. Missed out on that one. Yeah. God. A little advice, God. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you a tip. A little tip. 
Um, Andy and I are both stricken with diarrhea this instant. <laughs> Again? Again? I didn't know I could get diarrhea twice. Um, in the same instance. I don't know, Andy. What? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else you want to bring up about the Bible codes. We've had fun. We've we've looked up our own Bible codes. Um, are you shocked that you don't come up as much as me? I think it's the why, the why in your name. Yeah, I don't. Not I'm not. I'm not so shocked letter. by that because it's really I have a an lot argument. Of vowels. Yeah, it's really an argument. Quantity versus quality. I'm a much more significant character. <laughs> I didn't look at our skips. In the Bible code. I didn't look at our skips. I'm an easier Scrabble word. I think I'm worth less points, though. Yeah. Because you got the Y and the H. Well, and plus, you know, your your name, uh-huh. both of your names are words. That's true. Art and stone. I bet I, could, you, can, you could probably find stone a Stone probably exists at one skip. One, yeah. At one skip. Yeah. Art might also exist at a one skip in the Bible. Probably. So you probably have very low. Like, Andy, like that one Jesus farted. Andy probably never shows up in the Bible on a one skip. Yeah, I don't think there's any Andys. Ah, here's my other apostle, Andy. Obviously, if you had done hey, what's Andy, up, dudes? Obviously, if you had done Andrew, right. then I would have had a one skip. Easy. Oh, Heart 100%. also, the way I spell it, it's H-A-R-T. There's no E. So I wish it was the other way. Heart, that spelling. Then you could finally join... Fucking Captain Planet. Even which would be sick as fuck. Which is interesting because heart is kind of like an old English way of saying a buck, a deer. Heart, H-A-R-T. So you're really Andy Deer? Mm-hmm. And Andy means in, in older English that's... One who eats. Manly. Manly deer. One who eats. One, one who, who eats, eats deer. Deer. <laughs> I've done it before. And I'll do it again. Oh, wow. Wow. Watch out for your venison. <laughs> Keep your venison under wraps because I'm coming for those loins, baby. Um, yeah, let's get to, uh, get, we should get to some verdicts here. Andy, oh, let's get to a verdict. Bible yeah. Code. I think I kind of, uh, I probably don't even need hat. to look at the scale here, do I? Yeah. I tip my hat maybe a little bit too hard at the top. Apologize for that bunk bunkers. I know while we don't statistical science and, and us and this show are not on good terms. The bunker scale is a scientific measurement. We take mm-hmm. it very seriously, and I should not have done that. I apologize. You know, I'll be reprimanded by the uh, bunker scale fucking authorities or whatever. The commission. The commission. And I'll have to talk to the chairman. Yeah, the commissioner of the commission, Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> yeah, Commissioner Gordon. Um, and you know, I'll 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 pay penance for what I did. I should not have given my verdict away up top. Yeah, and that was a big mistake, but. Much like the Bible, right? I'm forgiving. Wow! And you sit on the board, and as as do I. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It's us, Commissioner Gordon, and the then, cushion. The yeah. cushion fell out of my chair. It wore down and disintegrated. So now I just sit on the boards. Look, um, <laughs> yeah. You, I'm not talking about the Baghdad biter. You're the Baghdad joke. <laughs> I don't know. Baghdad joke. Baghdad joke. What? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about that when you brought up Baghdad battery. I was like, there's got to be a way to make Baghdad joke work. But I couldn't think of it. So now I brought it back later. And now it doesn't work. Yeah. It's like I, the Baghdad battery. Hey, did you know that I used to have a job? 
in Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. I worked in a supermarket there. Really? Yeah. I was the one that put people's groceries away for them after they checked out. Oh. Yeah. They call, they call me the bag daddy. Yeah, I like that one. That's not a bad one. It's a stretch, but it's an okay stretch. Like all my jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Big stretch. Not much payoff. Um, verdicts. I mean, you know, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going case closed. Um, pretty obvious. I think that this is very dumb. It's fun and it's funny. It's fun to look up your own Bible codes. Have fun with it. The link to Dimitri Bryant's code is in our, it's free to download. You, there'll be a link to his uh, blog post where he instructs you about how to use it. Go have fun. Look up your own Bible codes. See what you find. Maybe you find your name, your friend's names. Look up other things like farting and pooping and other stupid shit or not. Whatever. Find some other Bible codes in history. I don't know. It's fun. Do look up other texts. Be my guest. Um, but look up the entire score to the HMS Pinafore. <laughs> See how often that shows up. But as far as this being at all divine or at all connected to any reality, statistically, scientifically, mathematically, it's just not happening. Sorry. You're quite literally cherry picking. You're giving words to the Bible. It's spitting stuff out at you. So you're the one inputting it, not the Bible. Um, there's nothing there. Case closed. Wow. What a verdict. Yeah. Well, then I guess there's nothing left for me to do but give my own verdict. Yeah, give your verdict, please. I'm going to go also case closed. Wow. Which I don't think will come to as any surprise to anybody listening. No. I will agree with... Pretty much all the points that you raised. Obviously, we raised some other issues during the discussion. Uh -huh. I think I think at the end of the day, it really, the Bible might have something in it that's more significant, but the way this methodology is just not significant. No, not at all. There's no hidden codes. We don't have any historical evidence that there's anything encoded in it. And even if it was... You also have to take into consideration the fact that not all parts of the Bible were written at the same time. Nope. The Bible itself is a not collection by the same people. Yeah. It's a collection of different books. The construct of the Bible, the King James version isn't even the same version of the Bible right. that is in use in terms of the books that are in it. The Catholic church had a lot of, we got Maccabees. Sway over, yeah. Sway over. I don't what, even know what the fuck that book is. There are books that have been canonical and then have been, become non-canonical and then about come back to be canonical later right, on. So right, right. the Bible itself is not even a set solid thing. I think it makes way more sense if somebody was driving this from just saying, let's look at the Torah. Let's look at these first few original Hebrew books of the Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy. Let's only look at those and let's look at it in the original Hebrew. And then is there anything significant Statistically about the encoding, then maybe you have a case. But the way it's done with ELS across a King James version or any other version of the Bible it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, and to be fair, most hardcore Bible coders will tell you that they do only use the Torah and they use other programs that, and they're inputting yeah. Hebrew words. And find... even then, you kind of have to think of it in terms of the Hebrew words that you use would have to be right. historically accurate for the time that these books were written rather than I'm just going to throw some modern Hebrew words in here and see what I find. Because right. again, you still have the cherry picking issue. You still have the issue of 
the evolution of language through the time. You still have the issue of historical context in which that language was used and the purpose and the, the intent of the author. It, there's no divine right Cause there, if it was, it would be a different methodology. It would be the, the book talking to you. Yeah. And you would not find things like Jesus sucks. <laughs> Unless I guess they're talking about milkshakes. Like maybe Jesus likes a milkshake. I don't know, but he sucks a straw milkshake straw. Right. She's friend Jesus sucks straw milkshake. And right. Like, oh, Jesus sucks your milkshake. He sucks it up. I suck your milkshake. I suck it up. Eli. Oh, I get it. I drink your milkshake. I get it. It's me. Jesus. <laughs> I get it. Milkshake in this context is sin. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus, through his, right. through his death on the cross. Right. Sucks up our milkshake. That's right. Of sin. His the That's sin within all of us. Our milkshake, our sin, brings all the boys to the yard. Right. And they're like, oh, that's better than what we had at the Garden of Eden. Right. But they were misled. That's right. And so Jesus, through his violent death on the right. cross, being killed right. on the cross, has sucked up our sin. Right. Sucked our milkshake. Right. Slurped it up through a straw mm-hmm. into his being. Mm-hmm. And, and now we, he, like, you know, he'll get it for you, but it's like, but you'll have to charge. Right. And the charge, the charge is, the charge is devotion to right. him. Devotion. But right. he'll get it. Right. You get salvation. So, so you didn't think you were close? You didn't, you didn't, I haven't gone case confirmed. So you didn't, <laughs> motherfuckers, you didn't think that you were going to have a religious education session, yeah. but you just did. Mm. Bible study. Bible study. Um, well, Andy, you're going case closed. So those are our verdicts on the Bible code. Use the hashtag. So tempting to use hashtag Jesus sucks. But I don't know that that will give us the right attention. Um, uh, I don't think anybody cares about the hashtag. So let's use some sort of hashtag about Robert Fagels. <laughs> and nobody, nobody. Ever pours Fago soda all over his head in high school? And they said, hey, Fagos, how about some Fago? Okay. That never happens to him. And he's just a really cool guy. Doesn't even like Fago. He says, not superior to IBC cream soda, which he thinks is better. Well, then. He's, had, he's tired of getting death threats from those juggalos who keep telling him that it's not that Vago's better. <laughs> well, then I think the hashtag has to be Robert Fagels is a cool guy. Use the hashtag Robert Fagels is a cool guy. <laughs> Let us know what you think about the Bible code. Send us your Bible codes. What did you find? Oh, yeah. Let us know. What did you find when your Bible code searching? Yeah. When you, bunk bunkers, if you go do your own Bible code searching, let us know what you find. Yeah. You can email us, mm. mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. You can get at us on Instagram or Twitter at mrbunkerpod. You can... I guess those are the main ways to contact us. You could go to our website, 
Mr. Bozo Conspiracy Time Podcast.com. And there's a form on there. You could, and that will send an email to us. There's merch. Um, there's our YouTube channel. Um, new vids coming soon. We promise. And new videos. Of course, there's our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod for five bucks a month. Get access to the entire back catalog. Andy and our debunked our Patreon only show. Uh, over 30 to 40 hours worth of uh, behind the scenes, or not behind the scenes, but like, you know, extra content on right. there that you can only get on the Patreon. And 30 to 40 hours is just about the right amount of content you need to listen to right. to know whether you're going to enjoy it or not. Great stuff on there. We've been covering uh, weirdos and criminals and <laughs> serial killers. <laughs> There's fucking... Uh, with a couple of, of, of myths we've debunked. I mean, so much fun stuff on there. Um, you can check out the, you can get access to the Bunker Discord, chat with Andy and I and other Bunk Funkers online, Bunker newsletter, behind the scenes updates, possibly in the future, free swag, maybe, maybe, see what happens. Uh, check that out, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Andy, anything else you want to talk about? I would like to finish sort of the same way that we started. Ugh. I'm going to finish myself and then I'm going to finish the episode. Um, I would like to say thank you to Robbie for this topic. This is a great topic. Yes. Uh, We took a big old shit on it, Robbie, and we're not going to apologize for that because that's what we do. But it was a fun topic and it's an interesting subject. Oh, yeah. And thank you again to Amanda Hug and Kiss. That's right. Patron. Robbie, also a patron of this show. Throw that out there. Thanks to you both. Thanks to all our patrons. Thank you. Um, But you know what? No thank you to the titular Mr. Bunker. No, fuck that guy. But for my circumstellar. Oh, wow. Is that like where you cut off just a little bit of a star? Circumstellar? No. (laughs) There you go. There's a Baghdad joke again. Hey, uh, hey, what do you call a what do you call a cheap, uh, a bad uh, circumcision? But a rip off. Let her rip. (laughs) You think they ever do that when they're given the brisk brisk? (laughs) What is it called? A bris, a bris. The rabbi. Can you imagine if the rabbi was that snowman, though? Yeah. Then it would be a brisk. Yeah, then it would. But if the if the rabbi was like really into Beyblade and he was like, let her rip. And then he rips off the baby's foreskin. The Beyblade Rabbi. The Beyblade Rabbi. He's known around town. That's the Beyblade Rabbi. You really only want to go to his synagogue if you're really into Beyblade. The Beyblade. The Beyblade. The Blade by the Reblade. The Reblade Eye. I don't know. Workshop it. Rabbi Blade. Rabbi Blade. Let her rip. All right. For my uh, circumstellar co-host, Andy Hart, I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Yum. Me. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor. 
And every week, I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.